So a couple of months ago, um, I had this dream and the dream was that I was at work and I was sitting at my desk and my boss came up to me and she said, um, I'm going to be quitting my job today. Um, and it felt like a really real dream. So I had a lot of thoughts about what was I going to do next? How will the project run? Like what kind of steps would I be making? Um, and it probably just shows how junior my position is and just how dependent I am. But I just had this overwhelming sense that I could not do it if she was not with me. So we're in Exodus um, chapter 33 today. And God has just said to the people of Israel that they can go up into the promised land, but that he will not be with them. So how do we get to this point in the story? Like, how do we get to this point where Israel, where God is saying that he is withdrawing his presence from the people? Well, God had taken the people of Israel out of Egypt and had spoken his covenant to the people and they agree saying, yes, we'll do everything that the Lord has said. Now, if you read anything about Israel in the Bible, you know that there is something ominous about that statement. And so Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. It's a really great like, high point. He's going to receive the instructions from God. But after waiting 40 days, 40 very long days, and growing very restless, wondering where Moses is, they turn to Aaron and demand that a God be made. And so they worship a golden calf. So Israel are, are an adulterous people. They're rebellious. They don't know who God is or what he wants. And God is righteously angry. He is angry enough to, the, to destroy the people. And so what follows is Moses has to intercede for them on their behalf. And so at the start of chapter 33, God makes this announcement, and I'll just quickly paraphrase it. So verses 1 to 3. He says, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath. I will send an angel before you and drive out the other nations. But I will not go with you, because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Imagine God making this statement to you. Go up and have the thing that you've been waiting for, that thing you've had your eye on, that dream job, that dream holiday, um, even that dream relationship. God is saying to the Israelites, you can have that thing that you've wanted. It's a place of abundance, of peace, of human flourishing. It's the thing that you want, but I will not go with you. And so Moses pleads with God, please, please do not send us from here without you. And that's where our passage today sits. So we're in uh, Exodus 33, verses 14 to 16. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? If God does not go with us, we have so much to lose. And from this passage today, we have three things in particular that are at stake. The first we see is that if we don't have God, we don't have rest. The second, we don't get to be his people or have his favor. And the third is we lose a defining identity, a chance to reflect God. So what does it mean to lose God? Like, or for him to no longer dwell with the people. Like, why is that so weighty and serious? Well, if we look at Genesis 3, we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were banished from his presence. 
And so we see that sin removes us from God's presence. And so one way to look at salvation history is through this theme of God's presence. So God's plan is to, get, is to bring the people back to dwell with him, to enjoy him, to be with him permanently forever. And we look forward to Revelation 21, verse 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So when God tells them to go into the promised land without him, that's like saying you can get into heaven or at least what you think is heaven, but without God. So what's heaven without God? Well, it's not heaven at all. So being with God, being in his presence is the best thing that we can have. And that is where we are really heading to permanently dwell with and enjoy God. So when God hears Moses' cry back in verse 13 to 14, God is pleased to answer Moses. He says in verse 14, um, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Isn't that such a great thing to hear that God in his grace would come and dwell with a sinful people? Now the Israelites were wandering in the desert and the promised land certainly looked like rest to them. They would have believed that it would give them the rest that they needed. And the promised land boasted of this abundance of stability, of peace from enemies, of physical rest. And yet without God, they would not have rest. And the author of Hebrews picks this up. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8 and 11. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would have not have spoken later about another day. And verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by their by following their example of disobedience. So Israel entered the promised land, but it's not the rest that God is talking about. They could not enter his rest because of their disobedience. The rest to be entered is to enter a relationship with God in the presence of God. Now we look for rest in all sorts of things, but in the end we get weary from it all. So you may be tired of running away, of trying to prove yourself, of trying to strive for things that you can't attain, or of thinking that you are self-sufficient and you can do it all by yourself. And we have longings and we have fears. We have things that keep us up at night. Our world lives in unrest. God is saying, I'm the only one who can give you the rest that you need. Come and find it in me. Come and find it in my presence. I am what you need. And Jesus himself offers this invitation. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So let's take up this invitation of rest. By celebrating what Jesus has already achieved for us, by drawing near to him, let's exchange our burdens for the rest that he gives. So Moses hears God's reply and assurance of both his presence and his rest, but it's unusual because he doesn't just stop there. Like he's heard what God has said, but he doesn't stop. He hasn't finished with what he is saying because he has this deep fear of losing God, not just for himself, but for the nation. And he wants to make sure that what he has is also what the nation has. Because if we lose God's presence, we lose the ability to be his people. Verse 15 to 16, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? 
Now, it's an interesting verse because we know that God was not pleased at all with the people. That's why he couldn't dwell with them or he would have destroyed them. And visually, we see that in the tent that Moses had set up to meet with God, that had to be placed outside of the camp where the people lived. And to understand that, it's like saying God can't be found amongst us at church on a Sunday morning or an evening service, and that God is not pleased to be amongst us at church, and the only way to meet with him is for us to actually walk a couple of kilometers down the road to find him, because he will not dwell here with us. Israel is supposed to be God's people, and yet God could not be found amongst them. Do you ever wonder whether God is pleased with you, with what you are doing, with where you're going, with who you are? Moses is saying to God, I want everyone to know that we are your people. I want me and this nation and the whole world to know that you are our God and we are your people. So show us by coming with us. And the beautiful thing that, Mus- that Moses is doing is that he knows that he has God's favour and is using that for the benefit of the whole people. He has a heart for the nation. And it's a shadow in the story that points us to someone better, to someone greater. We know Jesus, whom God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. We know that because of him, God is pleased with us. And that because of him, we can all be people of God. That we are now part of his family. And he is pleased with us to give us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So that we can have his presence individually and as a church. So how much more do we want others to be part of God's people? His family. How much more should we extend the good news that God is pleased if we are in Christ? Let's not be ashamed to be God's people, but to let the world know that we are part of his family and the invitation is open to all through Jesus. The last part of Moses' plea to God is in the latter half of verse 16, but I'll read the whole verse. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So Moses' final point is of asking God to be with them is that without God, there is nothing distinct. There's nothing special or good about us. If you don't come, God, we won't have any reflection of you. We won't have any beauty. We have nothing. We are nothing. And we miss out on displaying your greatness and your goodness to the world. And we miss out on, fu- on functioning as your people. And we see this true for Israel in both a positive and a negative light. So when Israel obeyed God, they walked in morally upright ways. They remembered God's power and love through festival, through celebration. They reflected a holy God through proper worship, through sacrifices, through cleanliness and they attested to God's goodness and provision and his power amongst them. When Israel were without God, they disintegrated into a moral mess. They worshipped a golden calf, which were things that pagan nations worshipped. They made fools of themselves to their enemies and were left in their sinful practices. And so when we think about being distinct for God as his people, when we are distinct, we are distinct because we are reflecting a distinct God. There is no one like our God. He is incomparable. He is indescribable. He is who he is. And so when we try and reflect him in our own distorted or tainted ways, we are reflecting his distinctness. In all his ways, there is no one who can compare or be on par with him. He is a God like no other. 
And so we who are Christian, who want to reflect him, let's not be swept up thinking that it's our own gifts or intelligence or power or experience that makes us distinct on behalf of God. We can run great services or youth groups, but if God is not in it, if he does not shape it, if he's not the reason and the driver of what we do, then frankly, it looks like every other religion. So we are not distinct by our own strength or following our own wisdom. We are only distinct when he uses us and shapes us and when we are willing to do it his way for his glory. So let's continue to imitate our distinct God by following him who makes us distinct for his purposes. So tonight we have seen three things at stake when God does not come with us. And they're all consequences of losing the greatest thing, being with God in his presence. When we see, however, that through Jesus we have God's presence, through the Holy Spirit, then we find three things. We get true and ultimate rest from him. We get to be known as his people and be part of his family, knowing that we have his favour ultimately because of Jesus. We get to live a distinct life that shines and reflects God to the world because there is no one else like our God. Um, would you close with me in prayer? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your greatness and your goodness and your holiness and that without you we cannot be distinct. Um, thank you that you give us the rest that we need and help us to not find it in other things. Um, help us to celebrate that we are your people um, and that to share that with others, wanting them to also be your people. Um, help us to be conscious of your Holy Spirit this week um, as we continue to walk in step with your spirit. Amen.